I'm trying to just navigate my way through this, okay? Sorry about this. Actually, I'm not sorry about it. It was Molly. That was, that was, I just lied slightly. All right. Okay, this is what I feel. Um, when we were at that conference, you don't know this, right? But we were in the worst day of our life. And the night before the conference, something happened that was the worst day of our lives. And we just had to turn up the next morning. Actually, Pastor DJ knew we found him in Karen and we told them and they prayed with us. And our pastors, we'd been somewhere together long into the night dealing with something, which you don't need to know because that's not your business, right? <laughs> but what God does is he takes those days and then he l- releases you into incredible things. So out of the worst day of our life, there's a church being planted in Jabin. Because it, it, it's not about the great days. That's not where God does the great works. It's how you respond in the tough days. And, and I just felt for some of you, and I, I don't want to tell the story because I don't think I could tell the story. I don't want to tell the story, but I felt for some of you that you feel you're in the worst day of your life. But the Lord's here right now. And as you sat in the midst of it, and it is swirling around you. And, you know, those days, they, they feel like that, like everything's out of control. But God is going, gee, there's so many things coming out of this. Because that movement of the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of that is just spitting out all this stuff that God is doing that's great. Okay, okay. Listen, if there's something that humanity likes, it's a comeback. You know when something's gone totally wrong? And then it all turns out right in the end. Like every Rocky film. Right? Every Rocky film follows the same story. Rocky wins a fight. Rocky loses a fight. Rocky wins a fight. End of Rocky. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. And it doesn't even matter who was Rocky in the Rocky film. All right? It doesn't matter if it was Apollo Creed or just Creed. It just doesn't matter. It's the same story every single time. It's the same story in every thriller. Every thriller goes the same way. The hero's doing great. The hero's doing terribly. The hero wins in the end. Like we watch James Bond, but it's the same story over and over and over again. James Bond's doing great. James Bond's about to be killed. James Bond kills the baddie. It's just the way that the story goes. But our rom-coms, they do exactly the same. You watch a rom-com, guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back in the end. Or girl gets guy, girl loses guy, girl gets guy back in the end. It just seems to follow exactly the same narrative because there's something about humanity that we like people to lose a bit, then they win in the end. There's something about us that loves the idea of a comeback. Like one moment it's all over, it's not good. It's, it's, it's Manchester United in the final minutes of 1990 whatever year it was, nine, 1999, and they're in Germany. For some of you, this is ancient history. For DJ, it's the last time it was good, right? <laughs> and, 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 and you shouldn't say anything, CJ, because you follow Spurs. Um, 
And, and, and I follow Bolton Wanderers, and um, we've won more cups than Spurs have in the last 30 years. So that's great. And it's the last moment, and you think you're losing, and then suddenly two goals out of nowhere, and you're the champions of Europe, and you think you're brilliant, and then you find out somebody's bought the other half of the city, and they're called Manchester City, and they've changed everything. It, we love the idea of a comeback, that something that looks lost is suddenly found, and it's the story of the Bible. That something that looks defeated as finds victory. That something that can't find its place finds its place. That God's people who are locked out in a wilderness find the promised land. That they get defeated in the promised land. And then they get a breakthrough. And then they get taken into exile. And then they come back. We love the idea of a comeback. Because there's something in us that believes it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It might not look all right, it might not feel all right, but it's going to be all right. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. This is one, of, I remember this from, I grew up in church, I grew up in the Methodist church uh, when I was 10 years old. My mum and dad went to a conference, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they came back to the Methodist church and said, what is this? Then they went to a Pentecostal church. We went along, I was 10 years old, I came into a Pentecostal church, a little bit like this, but not really like this, everybody wore suits and ties. That was just the women. No, no, that was the guys. Uh, the women were in dresses. Every woman was wearing a hat because that was what you're supposed to do. And so we went along, and I remember hearing someone speak in tongues for the first time in church. I looked at my brother, who was younger than me. We looked at each other. I pulled my dad's arm. He said, don't say anything out loud. I said, okay. Uh, this, 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 I'm not used to this. So we had this thing, but I remember the story of Naaman. Naaman, an army commander from the country of Aaron, who, who had a problem in that as brilliant as he was at what he did, his body let him down. And he got leprosy. And nothing that anybody could do in his own country could heal him. So he hears through a slave girl that there's a God who could heal him. And so he travels to find this God and he eventually meets Elisha. And you know, if you know the story, Elisha asks him to dip himself in the river seven times. And then Naaman tries to go, hey, thanks for what you've done. Can I pay you? And Elisha says, no, no. And we'll pick up the story here. Verse 19, 2 Kings chapter 5. Go in peace. Peace. I don't know what happened to my voice then. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on that Aramean. When you call someone by their nationality, you're looking down on them at that point. By not accepting from him what he brought, as surely as the Lord lives, because it's nice to spiritualize when you're being greedy. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, he's about to lie to get what he wants. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. Hey, don't mistake others' generosity 
for making right what somebody's done wrong. Just because someone's doing the wrong thing and it seems to be working out for them doesn't mean that they were actually getting it worked out for them. Give them two, and he gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the hill where Elisha lived, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away and they left. He went in and stood before his master, Elisha, the prophet. Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, was not my spirit with you when this man got down from the chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes or olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, male and female slaves? Feels like he's gone like accelerating there, doesn't it? You know, he's just taking clothes and money, but suddenly we're into slavery. It's amazing what path you find yourself down once you go down a path. Name as leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Romans chapter 8, 28 says these words. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Gehazi had everything going for him. He was positioned perfectly for a future that would promote him to one of the highest offices in the land. It, it would make him one of the go-to people in the nation if you wanted advice, if you wanted help, if you wanted a transformation in your situation, if you wanted a breakthrough, if you wanted someone to bring something that would change things. He was positioned for it. Elijah had been the prophet, and then his servant, Elisha, took over his role from him. And Gehazi is the servant of Elisha. Elijah had performed seven major miracles. Elisha had, will perform 14 major miracles. It stands to reason that something is multiplying when generations are passing something on. That's why what's happening in Jabez is so important. Because what you're doing is you're setting a generation. So you're not just setting it for this city. You're setting it for generations and multiplications because you're setting it the right way. Came under apostolic cover, come under apostolic cover, opens things up that could never be opened up without it. But when you come under it, it releases you into it so something shifts there. So he's ready for this. But he wants it earlier than he's ready for it. So he's trying to find his way to get what he wants and what he needs. And it's all gone south. Badly south. He's become a leper. I was reading this passage and then as I carried on reading, I got into 2 Kings chapter 8. And it says these words in verse 4. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And said, tell me about the great things Elisha has done. And I went, hang on, hang on, because he got leprosy. And in Bible times, if you get leprosy, you're not popping to the pharmacy, right? You, you are not nipping to see the doctor for some cream to sort out your skin condition. 
you're out. You're not just out of your house and your family, you're out of the city. And you have to live away from everybody else. And no one will come near you for fear of catching what you have got. So how is he sat talking to the king? What has happened from when he gets leprosy to talking to, to the king? He sat in the palace recounting the stories. You see, we love a comeback. How, how did he get it? Well, I'm like, what happened after that? Well, chapter 5, he, he gets leprosy. Chapter 6, there's this thing with an axe head that floats when he throws a stick. That's nothing to do with it. And I carry on into chapter 6, there's a bunch of people who can't see, and then there's a bunch of people who can see. And then you get to the end of chapter 6, you get to this famine. This famine starts in Samaria. There's no Gehazi in chapter chapter 6. Then you get to chapter 7, Elisha prophesies and basically tells the guy he's going to die, so that's not particularly good. And then we get to this bit. Chapter 7 and verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy. Oh, hang on. We're... Right. See, leprosy is mentioned only 68 times in the Bible. And there's only four lepers who get their name into the Bible. Moses, his sister Miriam... Naaman and Gehazi. It's a little odd that there's four lepers sat outside the city where Gehazi's home is. Moses' leprosy was a real strange one. Like God said to him, listen Moses, as a sign that I am with you, when you put your hand in your shirt and pull it out, your hand's got leprosy. And when you put it back and pull it out, it's gone. Can you imagine if he was your dad disciplining you? You want to do that? Yeah, you go ahead and do that. You want it? You want the hand? Like the special hand? We'll deal with that, right? It's, it's this sense of there's something happening here that there are four lepers at the gate. It's the city he's from. When Elisha spoke to him, he says it will cling to you and your descendants forever. So he's got to already have children. Because he can't have children when he's been thrown out. There's four lepers. And I wonder, I wonder whether these four lepers are Gehazi. And maybe his sons. You see, something's got to happen. For him to get back. So what happens? What, what occurs here? Well, there's this famine. And the city has been surrounded. And they're running out of food. It's getting a little desperate. In fact, it's getting more than a little desperate. People are doing the most ridiculous deals. Eating things they would never eat. Selling things they would never sell. It is an utter, utter mess in the city. The city needs something to change. Else the city is finished. If something doesn't change, the city is done. And their best bet right now are four lepers sitting outside the city gate. The city surrounded. And the lepers find themselves sitting here and they have this brilliant conversation. It is one of the most 
depressing conversations in the Bible. This is how it goes. So, if we stay here, we're dead. If we go that way, we're dead. And if we go that way, we're probably dead. Well, out of the three options of staying here and being dead and going that way and being dead, going that way and probably being dead is the best option I've got. Like if, if all I've got is a maybe, just a little bit of a chance, just a bit of an opportunity, it's a lot bigger than being dead. I don't know if you've ever been dead before. If you ever had a moment where you thought, I'm dead. Yeah, a minute where you thought there's nothing, there's no hope, there's no way. I can't get through. I can't work out how to pay these bills. I can't work out how to keep my marriage together. I can't work out how to make sure that I'm fit and healthy. I can't work out what is happening here. And then you get a maybe. A possibly. Just a little sliver of hope. It's a great thing because it says that they, they said to each other, you know, nobody says to each other at the same time. That happens very occasionally in life, where you say the same thing at the same time. And you always look at each other and go, oh, wow, right? <laughs> they said to each other, one of them said, why stay here until we die? We're going to the city, it's famine, we're dead. Stay here, dead. Let's go to the camp, let's go to the people who'd like to kill us. In fact, the only reason they've come here is to kill us. Why don't we go and visit them? Because our own people have rejected us. We can't cope by ourselves. So why don't we go and visit those who'd like to kill us? If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, well, we're just dead. How does God set you up for a comeback? You ready? Three simple things. Number one, God creates limitations on your life. God creates limitations. The Israelites find themselves at the Red Sea. A closed sea before them and an Egyptian army behind them. How did you get through that? Like there's no way through. This, this is the leper's conversation if we stay here. We die. If we go that way, we die. And if we go that way, we're probably going to die. Because there's a lot of swimming to do and not any of us are good swimmers. We've lived in the desert all our lives as slaves. No one gave us swimming lessons. God creates limitations. He puts things around you that you think are supposed to hurt you, but they're not supposed to hurt you. They're supposed to grow you. The stuff that he's doing that you think is boxing you in, is holding you back and is holding you down. But actually what he's doing is he's building you. Right. He's shaping you. Right. He's preparing you. He's putting something in you to make you become more than you are right now. He's causing you to grow. The story of the butterfly is that when the chrysalis covers it up, it is the breaking out of the chrysalis that puts the strength into the wings in order for it to fly. The story of any weightlifting you do is that you push something that tears your muscle in order to build your muscle. The story of all of our lives is that the limitations that God puts around us are to make us 
for the next thing we face. Now, you will not get through what God has got planned for your life unless you can break through what he's already put around you. And he's put it around you so that you can break through it. Man, you've got to realize he's put stuff around you that you thought, man, this is going to finish me. And God's gone, you have no idea. I am so glad God did not tell me everything. Like if God had said to me, Stuart, let me tell you the story of your life. This is what you're going to do for me and this is how it's going to go. I'd have said, is there another option? Like seriously, there's some things I don't want to go through. There's some things, there's some days that I don't want to go back to. There's some days I don't even want to visit in my mind sometimes. But God said, if you can get through this, come on. I've put that limitation on you right now that you think is the one that's weighing you down. But what it's actually doing is it's building strength. It is building strength. It is building. So every time you feel pushed down and you push back, something starts to shift. Something starts to move. He is creating limitations. Listen, for some of you, you've got to understand what you think is the devil is not the devil. It's Jesus the Lord is putting stuff in on you and around you to make you stronger than you think you are, to do what you think you cannot do because he is working in your life. So, so God puts limitations around you. Then this is what he does. He gives you people to agree with you. They said to each other, very, very hard. When it's just you. You need some people. Now you need someone to believe in you. You need someone to agree with you. So that when you say something, you ever said something and everybody goes, nope. I think we should do this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Not you. Definitely not you. I was, uh, was going to become an actor. Thank you. That was my plan. I was going to become an actor. And I'd applied to theater school in London. And, and I'd been accepted. And I was planning. I was 18. I was going to conquer the world, be an actor. I wanted to be a stage actor. I didn't want to do any of this cinema stuff and make money. I wanted to be poor, a real actor. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm all set up to go to London. When somebody says to me, what about Bible college? And I go, get that's how I felt when they talked to me. I, I wanted to walk out. I wanted to go. And I said, like, no, 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 Bible college. No, no. Maybe God's speaking to you about Bible college. Is that what it is? Is that what was happening? Um, um, and, and I'm like, ah, no, definitely not. And then God says, actually, that was me speaking through them. Can you listen a bit more carefully? So I'm like, oh. So the Lord really speaks to me about going to Bible college. And I get excited about it until I go and meet somebody. And that somebody says, no, no, not you. No, 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 no. I don't think you should ever be a minister. You definitely, you shouldn't pastor people. It wouldn't be good for the people. They were like, no. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're right now. You've got to find people to agree with what God has said to you. Not agree with what you've said to you. Because when I'm trying to talk myself into something, I can find someone to agree with me. But when I'm dealing with what God's speaking, 
I need someone with faith to agree with me. I need someone to believe what I'm believing, to speak what I am speaking, to get in sync with what is going on. And that's what you need. You need someone that you can turn to and you can go, this is right. Right? Yeah, this is right. Okay. We can do this. We started our church with 50 people. Uh, it went down. It got down to about 35 people. It was like reverse revival. <laughs> like it was firing. We were going great. The band was cranky and we were preaching brilliantly and people were just leaving. It was a great season, i got to tell you. Yeah. And then, are you okay now? Great. And then, are the band just taking it in turns? I mean, what's going on here? If I finish now, you've got to get back and play those drums. And then, then it started to grow. And this is the amazing thing. When it starts to happen, everybody goes, knew it had always happened. Those people do my head in. It's easy to agree when you can see it. You've got to see it before it happens to agree with it. You've got to get people with faith who can see what you can see, who can speak what you're speaking and line up with you. These people say to each other, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go back, we're going to die. But maybe, just maybe, they might spare us and we might live. But if they kill us, we die. Brilliant conversation. Then he says this, right? At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever heard four lepers walking. Anybody? Anybody? Never? Anybody? Just, just me then. Okay, right. It's not scary. It's just not scary. Four guys walking who've got leprosy and are starving is not scary. It's just not. Like, as hard as you might try and imagine, this is scary. It's not scary, I promise you. I mean, think about it. There's been a famine because of the siege in the city. And the people in the city are no longer throwing the rubbish away. There's no rubbish to throw away anymore. And the lepers live on the rubbish that's thrown away in the city. So the very thing that has sustained them has been taken from them. So they're now sitting here, four starving lepers, and they decide to get up. Listen, let me say this to you. It is not about your gift or your ability. It is not about how skilled you are at your business or how clever you are in your academia. It's about whether you can get up. It's about whether in the midst of the darkest, hardest moments, you can think to yourself, I, I could get up now. Now, every now and again, I do a workout that is so tough, I can barely move after it. 
okay, I've done it once, right? <laughs> and, and, and that moment when you're trying to push through your knees, now some of you, you have no idea what this means, but those of us over 50, right, your knees are saying, no, no. You're pushing through to get up. Imagine this, there's four guys. They're kind of holding each other and pushing each other and just, just trying, to, trying to, if one of them can get up, they can get the others up. But they've got to get one of them up. People are so hungry in the city, they're eating the parts of animals they would never have eaten. These guys have had nothing for weeks. And they're trying to, they're just trying. They're trying to get up. They're trying to get up. And then eventually, one of them gets up. And he, he has to turn and, and come on, come on, give me some help, man. Come on, just give me a, give me a. And, and eventually, two of them are up. Right? Now, now, it's easier when there's two of you. So the two of them get the third one, the three of them get the fourth one up. And the Bible tells us this. They went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Four lepers. Four, excuse my description of them, pathetic individuals. They've got nothing. Like they are not scary. They're, they're fighting to stand up. And somehow, These guys haven't even got flip-flops on. Like they got nothing. Somehow, God takes the sound of four lepers. He, he takes the sound of just four shuffling men and the Arameans in the camp go what is that like what is that what, what is that sound <gasps> this is what they say they say oh look the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptian kings to attack us I can hear horses I can hear chariots I can hear armies it's a great army Run for your lives, everybody. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> it ain't what you do. It ain't how smart you are. It isn't how gifted you are. Listen, it's not anything to do with anything you can and can't do. It's to do with will you get up and will you just... You see, this is number three. God makes your pathetic powerful. Oh. 
doesn't need you to be brilliant. But he just needs you to have a go. I don't know you, but I listen to some of the things I say and do, and I go, gee, that's the leper shuffle, that is, Stuart. Man alive, you really. Is that the best you've got at this conference? Because that day, Julie had to go back to the conference that day, and she preached that afternoon. Didn't have a lot. I had to get up the next day. I had to preach the next morning. I didn't have a lot. I did really well. I didn't just burst into tears and run off the platform. I just... Listen, you may turn up some days at work and you may think to yourself, the best, I've just turned up, at least I've turned up, this is great, I've turned up. But you turning up sounds like the best employee who has ever walked into the place has turned up. Uh, You turn up and you bring your offering and you think to yourself, is it even worth me putting this in? And God's just got his microphone to your feet as you shuffle just a little bit forward. Man, sometimes you turn up and you think to yourself, I'm trying to share Jesus with someone, but I lost my temper. I mean, man, they can't be. How can they see Jesus the way I've just behaved? And the Lord goes, it's all right. They're trying to look at me, not you. They're going to see through you. But when they see through you, they're going to see me. Just, it's just a little, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, oh. You see, God takes everything you've got and you give it to him. Makes you a pathetic part. What to you sounds like coping sounds like an army with chariots. What to you sounds like just a shuffle, trying to make it through the day, trying to get from A to B trying to pay the bills, trying to make it work, trying to get your body to function the way. What sounds to you like that? Other people go, gee, that sounds like a king's coming my way. Listen, that, that sounds like a king has entered the room, has entered the circumstances with an army behind them, and everything's about to change. Stop thinking you've got to make it. You don't. you just got to shuffle. When they reached the edge of the camp, they entered one of the tents and ate and drank. You ready? Then they took gold, silver, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent, took some things from it, and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. Gee. Then Gehazi came to the hill. He took the things from his servants and hid them away in the house. You see, there comes a moment where you realize that repeating your past is not the journey God wants to take you on. He, he doesn't want you to cycle back and do what you've always done and get caught in the patterns that you've always been caught in 
and get stuck with the mistake that you've always made and get broken down by the same thing again and again. But you've got to recognize the moment. Because one of them said, what we're doing is not right. And they knew it wasn't right. Because they'd been that way before. You know, there's something powerful when God uses where you've been before to release other people. Some of you think that what happened to you in your past is just the journey you went through. But actually, you found a door. And the door you broke out of is a door that you can hold open for others. You see, something happens at this point where these lepers decide we can't stay like this. We've got to go back to the city and tell them the good news. See, we can't stay like this wave point. We can't stay like this in a great building. We can't stay like this understanding who God is and what God does, that he has set us free, that he has given us what we need, that we've got something to eat, that we've got something to drink, that we've got some clothes on our backs. We have got to realize he's done all that, not just for us, but for the city. Man, he hasn't put this church here so that you can enjoy church. He's put this church here because it is powerful and it carries his spirit. And when it sits in the middle of this town, something starts to move in the town. Something starts to change in the town. You see, there's these moments that come where everything's different. So four leopards, eating a little bit, drunk a little bit. We don't know what they've drunk, but I think it was an enjoyable journey back. Go back to the city and they go to the people that rejected them. And they knock on the door. And they get shouted down for a while. But instead of going, well, I tried. I gave it a go. They didn't want to hear what I wanted to say. I've got my breakthrough. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. They went back again. Till eventually somebody went, what do you want? And then they disappear from history. They tell the story and they're gone. Four lepers. Except just after this, A guy who'd been a leper is sat with the king. You see, I'm convinced that Gehazi, in rejecting his own opportunity and putting the city before himself, that somewhere between knocking on the door It wasn't just him set free. 
because he has a family. Now his family's being set free. And he's part of a city. And his city is being set free. And they're part of a nation. And God is shifting something in a nation. But he does it through a person. And works through them to transform everything. God is doing something in Jeffrey's Bay. And we declare this again. We know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There was a famous British preacher called John Wesley. He, a lot of years ago, he rode around mostly England on a horse, writing books and preaching. Let me read this excerpt from his diary. It's brilliant. Sunday the 5th of May, in the morning, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back. Sunday the 5th of May in the evening, preached in St. John's, the deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday the 12th of May, preached in St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday the 19th of May, preached at St. somebody else's, the deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't come back. Sunday the 19th of May p.m., preached on the street, got kicked off. Sunday the 26th of May, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as someone turned a bull loose during the service. Sunday the 2nd of June, preached at the edge of the town, got kicked out of the town. Sunday the 12th of June, 10,000 people came to hear me preach. Got to get a little bit of persistence. That when you think this is not happening yet, when you think you're not getting your breakthrough yet, when you think nothing's changing yet, when you think this is just taking too long, it's too hard, when you think somebody else, maybe somebody else needs to do this, when you think, I didn't actually hear God, I think I heard, I think it was pizza. At that point, You've got to realize you're closer than you've ever been to the breakthrough that you're believing for. Man, you are closer than you've ever been to the change that you need. And you're not doing it for you. Because if you get the breakthrough, your family gets the breakthrough. If you get the breakthrough, your city gets the breakthrough. If your city gets the breakthrough, the nation gets the breakthrough. Something is happening here. We're going to pray in just a moment. Because there's too many of us who just feel we're sat by the wall wondering if we can make a difference. And God's going, get up. Just get up. Just find it within you to get. And if you've not got it within you, I'll get you up. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you just enough. Some of you got this brilliant idea for what you want to do for a business. And you're just saying, I just, I, it's, it, I, it won't work for me. It won't work for me. And God says, just, just get up. Just get up. 
Some of you, you dream of academia, the idea of writing, the idea of, of being able to study. And you're saying to yourself, well, no one in my family has ever been down that route. Well, that's, that's just not us. That's not, it's not who we are. It's not what we do. And God's like, Some of you, the Lord's talked to you about opportunity that's going to come your way. And you've gone, I'm not good. No, 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 no. It's not about good enough. It's about getting up. It's about just having a go at this. Instead of sitting back and thinking, you know what? The Lord will use someone else. He keeps coming up to you and going, hey, hey, hey. We need a church in Jeffrey's Bay. No, Lord, I'm like a rock and roll superstar. Why would I do that? No, no, no. No, I need, I need, I need a church in Jeffrey's Bay. No, Lord, you're blessing what I'm doing over here. No, no, no. No, I need a, I need a church in Jeffrey's Bay. Because what I'm doing over there is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Just get up. Just get up. Just believe in what he's spoken to you about. He's taught you really clearly. Some of it you've articulated and some of it you haven't. Because you thought, I can't say everything that I think he's saying to me. Because it sounds a little bit extra. But it's what he says. Just get up. It's about your walk. Just get up. Something's shifting in the room out there. Some of you got some stuff bubbling inside you that you realize the Lord's saying to you, you can still go and do it. Pastor Jim, there's still some stuff. He's going to call again. And you'll just get up. to whisper some things to you and you felt it and you said really and he said yeah really just get up and you gotta you gotta release a lot of people to follow you you gotta release them because they're lining up ready to go and when you're ready then you gotta go I can see that in you go I can see that in you go I can see that in you you go I can see that in you go up and it'll happen. Got to get up, young man. Got to get up. You got to stop looking for somebody else to step into the gap that you stepped into. You stepped in because somebody saw something in you that you didn't see in you. And he's saying, no, no, I'm positioning for this. Just got to get up. See, right across the room right now, God's speaking into your heart. And he's talking to you. Some of you think, you know, that I've just got this little bit to sow. Just this little bit. God says, plenty. It is more than enough. And when you sow it, it is going to be incredible what gets released. So come on, stand to your feet across the room. I'm done. But we're going to pray. Because I'm feel the weight of the Lord having spoken to people we're session one of the conference there's way more coming tomorrow this is not the 
everything has to happen moment. We don't believe that. We believe the Lord, he keeps moving. So we're going to do this. We're going to open the front. Uh, we do this in most of our services in our church in Manchester. Uh, and, and we do it because we don't know what the Lord's saying into people's hearts and lives. And we just want to create the opportunity. But if as you've been sat listening this evening. And you felt the Lord talked to you about something that you've got to get up and do. Then I'd like you to do something. Exactly the same thing that those lepers did. Just walk. Just walk to the front and you're doing it just as a demonstration that you're going to respond to what God said to you. Just do it. Jesus. I know nothing about surfing like nothing I know it happens on the water and it involves a board right that's you're about at my limit but having watched some of you guys yes was that yesterday and having sat and watched some people riding something called a right hand something with a tube I, I mean I know so little it's unbelievable but I did recognize this one thing nothing happens unless you get up and for some of you the physical getting up changed your life because you found something that gave you a way out but there's a spiritual getting up that's happening right now where you're not riding a wave except you are it's just a wave of the Holy Spirit as he's moving across the room So we're going to sing. Okay? And we're going to take a moment to worship. And while we worship, why don't you just walk? Just start to move forward. Amen. Amen. Right, if you feel it, don't wait for the song. Like the song's just a vehicle to help us do some things. So if that's you, right out of your chair straight away. You just walk to the front and say, Lord, I'm just getting up. Come on, church. businesses that are beginning right now because people are getting up. I believe there's breakthroughs happening right now because people are just getting up. Uh, there's stuff being shifted. God has gone ahead of you already. He's already put everything you need in the forefront of your life for you to walk into. you just got to keep walking into it. 
forward half a step. There's still more people coming and we want to give them a look. Just come forward half a step. That's great. Just want to give people space to respond. Because he's birthing things right now. just got up tonight some of you will fund incredible things because you got up tonight some of you will find yourselves in places you'll say how did I ever get here and I tell you how you got here you just got up that's all you did you got up and then this is the secret you kept getting up some of you some of you are still in your place because you said I did I tried that it didn't work and the Lord's just speaking right now he just says try it again would you give it another go What a word, right? What a word, what a word. Amen. Come on, something happened in the room tonight. There's a shift, amen. Come on, I said there's a shift in the room tonight, amen. There's a shift, there's a shift, there's a shift. Sure. Come on, this is day one. Hello. Day one, day one, day one, day one. So tomorrow morning, I'm telling you, last night we listened to Pastor Julie. It was powerful. I got to give it to Pastor Stewart. It was powerful tonight. But man, last night, she just brought the house down. You know what I mean? So I want to encourage you to be here early tomorrow morning. We're starting at 9 o'clock. Uh, I want to encourage you to get here at 8.30, grab a coffee, hang out. Uh, we're going to have powerful time in praise and worship again. And then we're going to get into the Word. Is that okay? Come on, it's the Word that transforms us. It's the Word that changes us. Amen. So just for one more moment, can we just say thank you to Pastor Stewart? He's not here, but come on, can we honor him tonight for preaching such an amazing word, amen? Wow.